welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 64, I'm delighted to be joined by Irish 400 metre runner and Olympic finalist Sophie Becker. In this episode, we discuss being a late bloomer, the importance of enjoying your sport, finding a coach, the benefits of sports psychology, the Tokyo Olympics, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi Sophie, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. Hi Orla, thank you so much for having me. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving a slight elevator pitch to the listeners who don't know who you are? <laughs> um, my name is Sophie Becker. I'm a 400 meter athlete. Um, I competed at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics there in the mixed 4x4 relay. We came eighth. And uh, yeah, I just finished college there in May and now I'm being a full-time adult, adulting, yeah. <laughs> Very good. You're an Olympic finalist. I doubt that that gets old. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, it's yeah crazy. I think it's only kind of since I've come home and come back to normal life over the last few months that I've really gotten a chance to like appreciate it and like just actually look back on the achievement and what I did. Because like when we were over there, like it's just it's crazy. Like you don't really have a time have time to think. So uh, yeah, no, definitely doesn't get old. I don't. I don't. <laughs> from being called that where did that dream kind of start for you and at what age were you as well um, so my um introduction to athletics is probably not like your normal one like I had really bad asthma as a kid so one of my friends her dad was like the local athletics coach and he was like oh if you start running like that might train your lungs kind of to breathe and like just teach you how to breathe better and everything so yeah I was about I think eight so I just went along and I actually really enjoyed it and I discovered I was actually fast. So that's actually how I got into it. And like along that, I was doing, you know, your usual uh, Gaelic football, camogie, tennis, like everything under the sun. And um, yeah, I suppose, I think it was about 15 or 16 when I kind of decided um, athletics was what I really enjoyed the most. And like, like I played the other sports, but I was no good at them. Like I think the only part that I was good at was like getting the ball and running for like the three steps. And then I wasn't able to solo or anything. So like, <laughs> I, I was only fast. So yeah, I was about 16 when I decided that I just wanted to do running. Yeah, that's really interesting about the asthma. I heard you speak about it before. I actually have asthma as well. Um, and it's interesting how sport can help you control it. Do you still have to manage the, the asthma at all or is it under control at the moment? Yeah, no, like it's nowhere near as bad as it is. Like I take a blue inhaler um, before any sort of exercise and that yeah. does me then like I still like I still go to the doctors and like get it checked in and like it's just something I'm gonna have to do like for the rest of my life I think but like it's nowhere near as bad as what it was it's very much under control okay very good you you were kind of spoke before you were a little bit of maybe of a late bloomer um you were 21 with your first cap for Ireland yeah I know so I was not I didn't get to go to any of like the junior competitions or anything like that so yeah I got my first cap for European under 23s um back in 2017 so yeah I would have been 21 um yeah like I loved running growing up and like I'd go to like the Leinsters and counties and stuff like that but like I never placed anywhere if I came second last instead of last like I was delighted I just like I know I just really enjoyed it and um I suppose like over time I just slowly noticed that yeah instead of coming like last I was coming second last year I was like just slowly moving up through the ranks and then eventually I made like my first final and then I think I was like possibly like 18 when I won my first like all-Ireland medal um 
so yeah no I was definitely a late bloomer compared to others but um yeah I don't know I think it gave me the chance to kind of really come into my own in the sport and like um yeah I'm happy that like the competitions that I did get to do were like you know the big ones like I got to go to European under 23s European seniors indoors outdoors so um yeah I think it paid off in the end did you ever get discouraged at, at that point when you were growing up where not even not going to to represent Ireland but even like coming maybe not first in a race was it was it frustrating for you at that point um I don't th- I don't remember ever being like disappointed or like saddened with my like placing I, d- I think at the time I just like got into it for fun I never really envisioned myself like I don't know representing Ireland at a young age I just like kept doing it for fun and then I suppose yeah eventually maybe around like 18 19 that's when I I actually do remember being I think it was about 18 and they picked like a junior four by one for I think it was European yeah European juniors and I was really close to like being picked as a sub for the team and I didn't get picked I think that's like my first memory of being like proper disappointed and maybe that's the point then when I was like I actually do want to do this like I do really enjoy running and I'd love to run for Ireland but um no I don't really remember being younger and like being discouraged okay so if I was to travel back in time and meet eight-year-old Sophie with asthma and only took up running to say you're going to be an Olympic finalist what would she say to me she probably didn't even know what the Olympics was back then. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest uh oh no I think she'd be well shocked like I still am shocked that the whole thing happened that I got to go that I'm an Olympian yeah. and uh, I think excited for like the journey that's ahead for me yeah mm-hmm. do you find that your ability is down to more of a natural talent or work ethic or a bit of both what, what is it for you um a bit of both definitely like I think I naturally have speed but I also need to work on having that speed like I think I know personally I think talent will only get you so far like there does come a point maybe around I think when you like finish school and start college that's like the point where talent does kind of start to go decrease a bit and you do need to start um working hard yeah Okay, speaking of school, um, a lot of younger listeners kind of around the secondary school, maybe college age. Um, talk us through a little bit of your path with the Leaving Cert, um, just to kind of help kids. I don't think we speak about it enough and it's quite, I found it very hard to navigate, never mind anyone else, but how did you navigate and how did you get to DCU? Yeah, so I came to DCU in 2016. I studied genetics and cell biology in DCU and I finished in May, just gone. So I, DCU, gave me the opportunity to, as I was on scholarship, I got to split my final year over two years. So I should have finished in 2020, but instead I finished in 2021, just because 2021 was going to be a big year with the Olympics and final year. So I just wasn't going to be able to manage the both of them. So yeah, like I suppose um, I did science, I did some science subjects for my leaving cert. I always kind of had an interest in science and I went up to higher options I think I don't know is that still happening yeah, but I went yeah. to higher options and I remember meeting um Enda he was like the DC athletics coach at the time and I was chatting to him and just like he really sold like the whole athletics program to me in DCU and then I went up and visited one of my friends up there in DCU and I just really liked uh, the college like the setup and everything so I kind of was held like dead set on going to DCU then so yeah luckily I got the points and I got my course for genetics and cell biology and um, yeah like I really enjoyed my time in DCU I think like it's important to like if you are hoping to continue the sport like make sure that there is a good 
um, athletics club set up there, you know, like, because I think most colleges across Ireland do have a very well-established athletics club. Like, just even the practicalities, like, initially I was looking at UCD, uh, but they didn't have a track around there at the time okay. where you'd have to go to Tala. And then I wanted to train with Jeremy. So that just wasn't going to be, that wasn't going to work for me. I would have had to travel from South side to North side every day. So I think just look at like the practicalities like that, but um, pick, I think the most important thing is though, is like pick your course. Like I knew I wanted to study genetics and cell biology and then the rest kind of fell into place after that. Okay, very good. Did you live in the, the house in DC? I can't remember the number of it, but there's a specific <laughs> athlete house. House 14, yeah. 14, yeah, <laughs> yeah. House 14, yeah. No, I did. Um, Like, I'm from Wexford, so obviously I wasn't going to be commuting. I stayed I stayed in DCU, and yeah, being part of House 14 was like part of the DCU yeah. scholarship, and I think it was, I think, I'm not sure if it's still a thing in DCU now. I've heard that it's kind of been spread out over different houses and stuff but okay. when I was there like I really benefited from house 14 like literally basically nearly all my friends that I made from college like we all live together in house 14 and it's just nice being surrounded by like like-minded people and you know like there still was definitely pre-drinks and house parties <laughs> and stuff but I suppose they were just a bit more considerate like if you had a race yeah. they'd be a bit like you know they'd be a lot quieter and stuff so yeah I really enjoyed it. Did you pick up anything off the other athletes? And I know, I think it's, um, it was a mix of different sports in the house. I don't, I don't know if that's changed, but was there anything you picked up maybe from living with other athletes, whether it was performance, sport, academics, time management or anything really? Yeah. So house 14 was just athletics, but like, it was all, yeah, it was all different disciplines. Like, um, I've lived with throwers, sprinters, middle distance runners, um, I, like I, I really like food and cooking so I think I looked a lot to especially when I was in first year like what my other housemates like because in house 14 like you live with like fourth years and second years okay. like everyone's together so I think that's really good like especially you do look to like the older ones for like guidance with like yeah nutrition and stuff like that so I think um yeah that's probably one of the main things I picked up. How did you find trying to balance um lectures you know social commitments and training I know the the setup I think is in St. Clair's for the athletics point um, side of things but what what is it like trying to balance everything in college when there's so many balls in the air that you have to try keep level it's tough like I'm not gonna lie it's tough I'm still I'm finished college now and I'm working instead so I'm still trying to balance everything uh time management definitely does have to come into consideration like I know if any of my friends were speaking, they'd be like, she has no time management. I do. It's just like kind of an organized mess. There's something rough, a rough plan in my head of like when I'm doing stuff and when I have to go training. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think like, I don't know if you're training in the evening, just try get all your lectures and work and stuff done beforehand because I know myself when I get home from training, I just want to eat, drink a cup of tea and go to bed. Like I just can't think about sitting down and studying. So I think just have a rough plan of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You spoke on a, another podcast recently about motivation and you kind of said about, you kind of use inspiration and looking at other people to motivate you. Can you explain that one a little bit? Yeah, I suppose like growing up, I would have, I read Jessica Ennis's book Back to Front, I'd say about 10 times. Like I just, I think that was actually one of the first things that really motivated me, like her book. And um, yeah, it just really inspires me seeing how people can progress. And like a lot of people's stories start out the same as like myself or you or like anybody. And I suppose it's just like looking at what tools they use and like, I don't know, just like they're, 
um, mindset and just um, little things like that, that that makes like the difference. And um, that really motivated me that like, you know, I'm here with a lot of the same resources as a lot of other athletes across the country. And um, I kind of, yeah, I grab inspiration from that, just wanting to work hard and um, yeah, just do what everybody else is doing. You work with um, Jesse Barr and the, the Sport Institute. Can you describe the benefit of working with a sports psychologist, particular, particularly Jesse, with her, with her athletics background? Yeah, oh, I think people are probably sick of me talking about my sports psychology at this stage. It comes up all the time, but I, I love it. Like I started working with Jesse about two years ago now, I think, and the difference has just been phenomenal. Um, like I think there is still a bit of a, a stigma or something about like working with a sports psychologist, and I don't okay. know, kind of the air that I get. But like, I nearly see it as like an elite thing. Like it's great to be given the chance to work with a sports psychologist like um I think it shows that you know you have like you know that you have more to give and like you see that the brain and the mind is like where a lot of that um the differences can be made so yeah I really I really like it I actually have a meeting with her this afternoon oh very good Um, yeah yeah that wasn't the one we had to move was it uh no no that's okay good I would have been probably apologizing for like meetings and everything like that so no don't worry um no so like we I suppose like most athletes I think like you know trying to manage the pre-race nerves and not let them get the better of you is something that we've worked on a lot and we've done a lot of race visualization and I think because Jessie like she's very specific like she was a 400 meter hurdler I'm a 400 meter runner she went to the Olympics um I think I just relate so much to what she says and like Obviously, I haven't worked with any sport, other sports psychologists, but like just when she's talking about like a session or like pre-race nerves or something, I know that she knows exactly how I yeah. feel during, because mm-hmm. she experienced that as well. So, no, I really, really benefit from it. and I think everybody should give it a shot at yeah. some point in their lives. Wait, before you started working with her, what were the things that maybe were holding you back a little bit in, in that area? Yeah, so um, pre-race nerves, really, I suppose, like, um, I still would feel like, you know, sick before a race and stuff, but I think it's more so like using the nerves and seeing them as like good rather than bad and like seeing the race as a challenge rather than something bad that's going to happen uh, because like the end of a 400 is just the pain is just unbearable <laughs> and like I've spoken to a lot of 400 meter athletes and that's something that they dread so much is just the pain and like the last wow. like yeah so I suppose just talking to her about that and like um what else yeah the nerves and um different stages in the race like I try to think about something else and focus on something different just to kind of keep me focused during the race yeah okay because that was actually a question I was going to ask you when you're in a race and when you're going through the different stages what is your thought process during it um (laughs) I think do you know what I think a lot of my brain is like empty for like literally so um, I think when I start kind of being switched on in my head is probably in like the last 150 but it's more so like oh my god I'm in so much pain uh this hurts so I'm kind of trying to be like oh my god I'm in so much pain but we're nearly there like keep pushing sort of a thing so yeah okay. I'd say like once the gun goes my mind just goes empty like it's weird I don't hear anything apart from my mom my mom is the only person I ever hear for sh- shouting for me like wow silent yeah it's weird and then yeah so just yeah the last 150 I'm just trying to kind of change change what we're thinking about around them 
Okay, that's really interesting. Do you do you remember a race afterwards? I think I've I was either recording with someone or I listened to someone. They were like, I don't remember a thing. I nearly black out during a race. Yeah, no, genuinely, I literally that's kind of like an out of body experience. Like it's only when I look back at the race, I'm like, oh right, that's that's what I did then. Like, it's weird. Um, yeah, you kind of do black out. That's a good okay a good comparison for it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I want to quickly talk about the the world relays. Um, you won the silver medal you were the anchor for that race and speaking of kind of that thought process the Polish girl was in front of you and I think Dominican Republic were behind you when you're going through that last straight are you thinking of the girl that's ahead and the girl that's behind or are you just saying to yourself keep going keep pushing um for that race I think I was like I could see the Polish girl in front of me so I was focused on her I didn't actually know who was behind me so yeah I was focused on the Polish girl and I was just like keep going keep going because I thought she was like coming closer to me uh but the finish line just got there a little bit too fast but yeah no it's just kind of keep keep going because it's 200 meters as well like you're not going to hit lactic in that so you just really try to keep going keep getting faster and just try catch the person ahead what's it like being the anchor for that and watching the girls come around and being like it's not my turn yet oh my god they're coming closer they're coming closer here we go I know I actually feel nervous even thinking about it like (laughs) the girls so yeah I was with Kate Doherty Sarah Quinn and Aoife Lynch and the girls ran a stormer of a leg like we we were so shocked like we couldn't believe it so then the girls had ran so well. I was like, oh my gosh, just don't mess it up, Sophie. Like we are in medal contention here. Just don't mess it up and we'll have, like we'll be placing. So yeah, I definitely did feel a bit of pressure because the girls had ran so well, but thankfully it all worked out. Yeah, that's really interesting you say don't mess up. I was talking to a Gaelic football player recently and she was saying when she takes a free, it's don't miss. And it's all about that that self-talk. And it's interesting how people are like, oh, be positive in your self-talk, but maybe sometimes a negative part of self-talk might not be the most beneficial thing, but it might be the kick up the ass you kind of need. Yeah, like that's that's very interesting. You'd be a very good sports psychologist. That's kind of <laughs> stuff that Jesse would say to me. Change your career maybe. Because <laughs> uh, one of the things, like uh, just going back to the sports psychology thing, like um, I'd say I'd have a horrible session ahead and I know it's going to hurt on like the last rep instead of like I, Jesse being like, oh it's not gonna hurt tell yourself it's not gonna hurt she's like no tell yourself this will hurt like it is going to hurt but yeah it will be worth it so like I think kind of yeah just being realistic kind of with yourself and also um yeah kind of just telling yourself don't just don't mess up and like you won't mess up (laughs) yeah exactly I was gonna ask when you get to the level that you're running at um is is it more mental or physical being an athlete and running a race what what is it for you um I think 50 50 um like I could be so mentally like um positive and everything but you have to be real like if you haven't done the work if you haven't done the training if you're not fit you're not going to run a good race and then likewise could be really fit but if I'm saying oh I'm so slow I'm not going to run well it's not going to go well so I think it is 50 50 yeah can you describe the mentality it takes to be an Olympian, particularly for any of the, the younger listeners that have, you know, aspire to go to the Olympics? I've got, is there any sort of like, a checklist is the wrong word, but can you just describe what it actually takes to, to get to that level? Um, hmm. <laughs> I think, honestly, I know it's so cliche, but you have to enjoy it. Like, 
athletics in Ireland, you're not going to be making a heap of money from it. So there's no point in getting into it being like, oh, I'm going to be like a rugby player or a soccer player with it. Like you're not. So you really have to enjoy it. Like that's definitely number one. And I think, yeah, that is why maybe I wasn't too concerned about not making Irish teams growing up because I really did enjoy it. Um, secondly, like you, the people, I think you need people around you to train and motivate you. Like I love training but I also love going and like seeing my training partners joking around like they're some of my best friends we see each other like five six times a week like you're gonna get on with them you're gonna like they're gonna be like brothers and sisters at the end of the day so I think definitely have a good group around you and really enjoy it and then um yeah like you you need some self-confidence because athletics like we've said it's an individual sport if you don't believe in yourself like I, you might as well not you might as well stop but like you really need to like check yourself you really need to uh believe in yourself and then like you know everybody else will believe in you as well so I think they're kind of the three main things and then like um I suppose yeah like your coach you need to have a good relationship with your coach like I've been with Jeremy Lyons since um I came up to Dublin in 2016 and since then we've added two more coaches um Aideen and Jared to it and like they all understand me really well. I understand them really well. So I think if you had a, go- a good relationship with your coach as well, that makes a big difference. How did you um, find your coaches and what advice would you give to people that are looking for a coach and what should they really look for when, they- when they're looking for somebody to-, to guide them and to coach them? Yeah, so I found Jeremy through one of my old, my friends from home. He, um, he was up in DCU a few years before me and he was into athletics and um, he was with Jeremy. So it was kind of like, a rite of passage nearly that I was going to go with Jeremy so I didn't have to do that much hunting but it can be definitely overwhelming like if that wasn't there I honestly don't know where I would have gone like there is a good few coaching coaches and groups around Dublin but um for me personally like I need a coach who like I'm not someone who's obsessed with athletics like 24 7 you know like I'm working I love to go see my friends I like just going on walks and hikes like I can't be obsessed it works for some people but for me I need a coach who understands that and is going to be like relaxed about like me going for drinks or something like that so um my coaches definitely are Uh, so I think that's really important and um yeah a coach who's like willing to adapt like very adaptable like there's been a lot of tough situations with like injury and like teams and everything over the last few years and um my coaches just have been so adaptable to it. And like, when I see that they're not panicking, I don't panic. So I think that's a really um, important characteristic. With your training, do you focus more on your, your strengths or your weaknesses? Oh, that is a good question. Um, So I would say my strengths are my speed and my weaknesses are probably like the longer reps and stuff. So um probably the winter is the time that we focus more on like the weaknesses I'll say like that's when the longer reps are done and then the summer is when it's kind of a lot of speed stuff so yeah I would say 50 50 but um I think as time goes on the weaknesses do get less yeah Yeah, that's yeah that's fair um how do you balance I think athletics is, is a really interesting sport because you're trying to push yourself to the very like pinnacle without going too far because you'll you'll injure yourself how do you try balance that because it's such a fine line between getting to the top versus getting an injury yeah no like my coaches call that like the red zone because you're in the shape of your life 
but also if you push it that one percent too more you're going to injure yourself you're going to be sick like it's such a fine line um a lot of that is left to my coaches like they know the sessions that I need to do at that time they know the sessions that will push me over the edge and the ones that just won't be enough and then it's kind of up to me to make sure that I'm recovering that I'm sleeping that I'm eating right and um yeah no it's it's definitely tough uh to get the balance right but it it you do get it like it seems impossible but then like most people when they run a race like they are around that red zone I think brilliant I just want to talk about Tokyo for a little bit um just Tokyo just the Olympics just the <laughs> Olympic final it you, you weren't part of the the world uh, championships when they qualified but what was it like being selected for that team and traveling over to Tokyo oh it was like I, I can't even find like one word for it because there were so many emotions like I was absolutely delighted I was so excited I was relieved um like there was just like there's a lot of pressure for like every athlete who was on that flight like the months and weeks leading up to it like and then the added pressure of COVID like the fear that you're going to get COVID beforehand so I think um yeah it was just a brilliant brilliant experience and um, my training partner Killian he was on the relay as well so it was just it was a really nice experience to share together and I think it made it even more special for like our coaches as well like the fact they didn't get just one they got two athletes over there that's really cool there was a really nice picture I think of you and a couple of girls Nadia uh, Sarah Lavin with all your nails done Uh, (laughs) what was it like traveling over with were you part who traveled actually with you was it just the athletics part or was there other athletes in other sports as well so for us it was just the some the athletics but it wasn't even all the athletics we were kind of staggered out and um, okay. so depending on when you're going to be competing you all kind of went together so yeah uh, myself Nadia and Sarah Lavin we all we love getting the nails done before competition <laughs> so obviously there was big pressure for for Tokyo but I love that picture yeah of all of us with our nails and even when I think back to that like we we're all just so excited and giddy and everything going off it was so fun mm-hmm. uh but like yeah so that was just athletics but then um when we got to the holding camp that's where there was like loads of different sports it was really nice like because um I don't know sport in Ireland it's kind of hard I find anyway to like get to know other elite athletes and stuff so that was like the first chance like to really get to know other athletes like remember we were sitting at the pool in the holding camp and the rowers were there and they were great crack and like the boxers were around like it was just a really fun experience that's really cool was was your holding camp that had because you weren't obviously nobody was really at the Olympic Stadium did you see your own Olympic parade in the hotel was it oh yeah yeah we did we did I actually didn't know about it I was inside eating dinner and then I walked out and saw all the pictures and stuff so but I'm going to claim that I took part in it yeah, yeah, yeah exactly talk us through the journey to the final even you know being in the holding camp as you say there must have been so much nearly anxiety about catching COVID because talk about timing if you caught it just before the race not only would you have missed it let's say if you came back like there's lasting effects from it as well so there probably was like an underlying kind of worry there with everybody across all of the countries and all of the the sports oh my gosh absolutely like it's just an added anxiety to the whole thing but I have to say like team Ireland we were definitely one of the most cautious teams over there like we kind of had a scare at a, at a championship um a few months prior where there was an outbreak and stuff so I think that kind of really everybody was very alert and everything because there were other teams that weren't quite as um um strict about the whole thing but like so Mm -hmm. we wore we had to wear the is it the FFP masks um the whole time and um most of us were like vaccinated 
and um we got a COVID test every single day in the holding camp and yeah like we were kind of like even dinner we had to eat with like the dividers and stuff which was kind of bad but like thankfully there was no COVID in the camp at all and we like when we were in the holding camp it was a lot more like the whole environment itself was more relaxed like we actually stayed at it was a resort it was like in the country the country it was beautiful it was really relaxing and uh we were we've been we've been warned like this this is good like when you get to the village that's when like everything gets real like the intensity just increases and like they were right it just once we got to the village I like we were at the Olympics like you could tell just uh it's like the environment just changed like the whole sense the feeling just changed like and um that's when you kind of saw as well that some countries weren't being quite as careful with COVID as we were but uh thankfully yeah no one got it and in terms of that intensity was that just because you know you were in the Olympic Village one that's going to be an intense environment but was it just because there was such a like people were like obviously I think I saw videos of the the dining hall and again the dividers were up was it very kind of like how was that environment why why was it so tense yeah I think it's because when you go to the village you know you're competing within the next like three four days like Mm -hmm. we got there yeah I think three days beforehand so you're really just settling in like you're we went to the warm-up track we did another um baton practice and then that was it we rested for the next day and then it was showtime so um you just know like it's it's getting close and like there's people around who have already competed there's people waltzing around with medals there's some people there that are like devastated like it is it's just a lot going on yeah talk us through that that showtime that first race oh my gosh did you like I wish I didn't like get that blackout feeling because <laughs> I wish I could remember everything but I basically I remember uh so it was Killian Green here on first Phil Healy was second I was third and then Chris O'Donnell was on the last leg so uh, I just remember we were walking out and um, like in the call room, it's such a, I've been in so many call rooms before for different races, but that one's, it's intense. Like you have different, like different teams are there like doing their pre-race stuff. Like some of them are shouting, there's like slapping of legs, like there's so much going on, like it's crazy. It's nearly like, I don't know, like you're holding wild animals in the cage or something like it's mental. Uh, but yeah, we walked out and I just remember like uh, just turn because I was just so scared to like watch the first hundred meters when it started. So I turned around and saw Killian coming up in like second place or something up the home street. I was like, we're going to be OK. This is good. And then Phil went off. Then it was my turn. I got the baton. I just was like running for my life, like literally. <laughs> But like the adrenaline, like I'll never forget that feeling of adrenaline. Like it was just, oh my God, it was, if you could bottle that and use it the whole time, it was, it was brilliant. And then, yeah, Chris got the last, got on the last leg. He ran an absolute stormer. And um, then I think like the pictures circled everywhere of all of us like on the steps and realizing that we had, number one ran like a national record. We took four seconds off the last, the previous national record and we'd gotten into an Olympic final like I actually have goosebumps now thinking about it like it was just a crazy experience like definitely just the best like hour of my life definitely I love that picture because it's like the different stages of realizing Phil is there smiling probably like we've made Olympic final you kind of have your mouth open like kind of in shock and uh, Chris is kind of just standing there I think and then Killian's fixing his hair so it's like the different stages of realizing I thought it was brilliant <laughs> 
that picture Killian hates that picture because of Rowan he's not like looking at it but he was so he was like he ran an incredible time for the first leg he was dying like we went because we had to go to media afterwards he was trying not to get sick I remember remember everybody yeah we were about to go to media being like does anybody have a bag for him he's about to throw up like he was not enjoying that for the first few minutes Jesus oh god so when you make it to the Olympic final the pinnacle can you give us like a nearly a step by step of you get after the media when you when it probably like when does it actually set in for you when do you realize that we you know we've made it oh I think when we went on our phones like okay we're on the but we had to go through media and like the rest of some of the team were there to watch and stuff and after we'd seen them we like got our phones back and we were sitting on the buses and I think we were all just kind of like oh my god like I this is crazy like the amount of Twitter notifications and Instagram notifications and like oh just everybody at home was just so supportive like when we I think yeah when we went onto Twitter and just saw like the outpouring of congratulations it was just crazy like I've never experienced anything like that in my life can you take us through like the step by step of preparing for that? So what what's next after the semi-final? How do you try to stay focused? Do you even like does you do you acknowledge that it's a final or do you kind of leave it as it's another race? Um no, we we acknowledged it was a final. Like there's not many many athletes, definitely not many Irish athletes who have run in an Olympic semi-final. So no, we definitely acknowledge it was a, an Olympic final. Uh yeah, so we got on the bus, went back to the village. We all got some food in the dining hall and we're all just kind of like starstruck like we're all tired but also like buzzing with still like the adrenaline and like everyone's down so much coffee and red bull beforehand like (laughs) and uh I remember we were all still sitting there scrolling at like half 12 and one of the uh team officials came over he was like guys you have an olympic final tomorrow come on go to bed (laughs) and we're all like oh my god yeah we do so uh yeah we went back to the apartments and like I was rooming with Phil so the two of us I think we were just like lying there for ages just like oh my god I can't believe this is happening but eventually we all managed to sleep and like thankfully we weren't running until I think 8 p.m the next day anyway so we took it very slow the next day but yeah I suppose like you know you wake up shower you have your food and um soon enough it's time to go back to the track and do it all again yeah what's your pre-race routine uh usually what what do you do yeah so um I try not to be too strict about it I'm not like superstitious or anything because you just don't know if stuff is going to go wrong um so I always like have my hair done my makeup done look good feel good race good that whole thing (laughs) And um, yeah, like have my bag packed usually the night before if I'm running in the morning and yeah, we'll head to the track. Um, I like to get to the track, like, you know, maybe like half an hour before I need to start warm up or anything and just sit there, scroll on my phone, listen to music, just really get into the zone and um, just a bit of chill time. And yeah, then like I'll start doing like my rollouts and my slower kind of stuff. And um, yeah, then uh, the relay coach drew he would like take us all just for like a little chat just to talk us through like our role in our legs and stuff and um yeah then it was race time soon enough after that what's on your music playlist is it what's kind of a what, what do you listen to before a race oh, I listen to like the most random random stuff like I really like upbeat like stuff you know like Avicii kind of like yeah 
house music um I like tropical house like that sort of stuff just real like upbeat stuff like that's just gonna be make you happy like I like songs you can sing along to as well yeah brilliant do you do any sort of pre-race uh breathing exercises is that I've, I've only heard of that recently yeah so um I that's something Jessie introduced like into my pre-race routine um she calls it box breathing I think so it's just like breathing um holding it for a few seconds exhaling hold it breathing in again um exhaling and kind of I think yeah four by four times if you get me yeah and um yeah it just really helps in kind of regulating your breath and just like giving you something to concentrate on so yeah that's something that I do and is that do you do that in the the call room beforehand or what would you do in there uh yeah it depends um call room a lot of the time because I mean there's not much else to do like I'm not really one one of those athletes who likes talking and is all chatty before a race like um so yeah I'd usually be doing that just kind of something to focus on and stop yourself from thinking about the race ahead when you're coming out uh what do you how do you find the tv cameras I know it didn't come very close for the final these are just waving but what what is that like with the tv cameras coming really close yeah it's I don't know I I don't think even really I didn't we didn't really notice it that much I do remember though because for the final like you, you know they do the whole introduction in team one Ireland and like you run out and stuff so we were before and we were like what we do because like team usa and all they do all like the cool moves and we were like we can't do that so i think we just like waved so we were like conscious about it in that regard but other yeah. than that i think yeah just a little wave and like unless you're allison felix or like carson warholm they're not going to be too much <laughs> in your face i think yeah yeah that's good when you're going around when you're going around the track i know you don't remember much but when you finish it when you realize you know we ran in olympic final what's that feeling like Oh, yeah, I suppose just oh, what I can't even again, it probably took it definitely took, I think, a while for it to set in. Like, I think it was after when um we were kind of packing up after we'd race and we were like packing up and putting our spikes on and stuff. And we were walking back to the bus. That's I remember Killy and I were like walking past, walking back to the bus. And we were like, wow, I can't believe we just did that. We were like, I'd love to do that again. Like, just that feeling you'd love to do again but yeah I suppose we were just really proud I think just really proud of like what we've done as a team like you know the first Irish relay team in an Olympic final um, a new national record and just like I suppose yeah it's a stepping stone for so many teams ahead to come over the next few years. How did you find being in a team environment and moving from not only are you worrying about maybe your performance but you're worrying you're worrying and you're focusing and trying to help three other people? I really liked it um like obviously we were all very nervous but I think having three other people there uh sorry I should say like five other people sorry with the subs as well yeah, sorry subs yeah. as well Kalina and Rob to have five other people there who all felt the same way as you and like who felt the same amount of pressure as you that was really nice but it also adds to it's like okay when I get the baton I can't don't drop this because there's five other people depending on me for this as well so like it it evens out but no I think for like a first games experience it was really nice to like be introduced to it through like a relay sense when you go through success and failure what motivates you more is it that that feeling of oh my god this is amazing I want to do this again or is it that challenge and that setback that you go through I'm going to say both I would have thought initially like oh my god I want to do this again but like I had a setback um once before and it like after I ran my PB like it definitely does motivate you so I definitely do think both like saying that 
I'm always thinking about like that feeling now after the Olympics and like how much I want to relive that again. So yeah, I definitely think um, both the positive and negative experiences will affect it. What was the biggest learning um, that you took from going to the Olympics? Like I was really interested in what Nadia Power said about her experience, but how, how did you find it? What do you kind of realize now after going through that whole whole, whole thing? I, I suppose that like it's possible, like it's achievable and like everything that I've worked for is is worth it but um also like like I suppose afterwards it was kind of like that really like you know there's months and months just leading up to this and then it happens and you're kind of like oh wow that's that happened kind of a now what thing so like I think it's just important definitely to have other things that like you enjoy and other um areas that you like putting your energy into because although like that was an amazing experience and I would trade it for nothing I think it did re- like make me realize as well that it is important to not have your whole life about athletics either because like that was like yeah, the pinnacle of our sport and um even still you felt a bit of a down afterwards you're like oh okay that's finished now on to the next thing kind of a thing yeah I've actually I've read about a lot a lot of that you know all the Olympic athletes speak about it's only like this process you go through and there's different stages and um, what would be your personal definition of success Oh, is there a dictionary anywhere? <laughs> um, I think, oh, for me, I think success is just like being really proud of my performance and being happy, yeah, happy and proud of my performance. I think that's a successful run or a successful championships for me, yeah. So it, w- it would be more of a feeling then than an achievement for you? Yeah, definitely, yeah. because there's been runs before that like or like competitions before that I should have maybe made it into a final or like whatever but I was really happy and content with my run so I consider that like a successful championships then what's next for you what what's coming up I know obviously everyone talks about the Olympics but there's a number of other uh, events that you're also targeting yeah so I suppose most recently we have like the indoor season is just about to start and there's world indoor championships on in Serbia in March. So I'm targeting to run the 400 at that. Um, and then after that, there's like the re- the mixed four by four has already qualified for world championships in Oregon in the summer. Like the people who are on the team, that's not decided until closer, but at least we know what team is going. So it's definitely my aim to be on that relay team and then we also have European Championships in Munich in August so I'd love to qualify individually there and also it'd be great to have a women's 4x4 at that because 400 metres um, for women in Ireland at the minute it's crazy like we're so lucky to have such a talented group of girls so um, I think it'd be great if we got a 4x4 to that championships. Why do you think we're seeing so much talent and so much success in athletics recently? Is there a reason why or is it just an accumulation of a lot of different factors? Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe it does come in waves. Like you kind of have a lull and then you have like just such a massive burst of talent. Um, I think COVID kind of obviously it was a terrible time for so many people. But I do think a benefit of it was like a lot of people got like an extra year like myself included if the olympics had happened in 2020 and i think a lot of athletes would agree like i wouldn't have been there so the extra year kind of gave everybody yeah an extra year to train to get better and everybody's kind of come together now and just like given all their performances at the same time brilliant uh who would you like to see on the podcast and if you do nominate someone i'm gonna ask you for your help uh i'm gonna and for you to help me get them on 
Oh, let me see. Sports wise, um, I think Phil Healy, she'd be a very good person to get on. She would. I've actually messaged her a few times. Uh, which she's so busy. So I know. Hopefully, hopefully I'll get her. Well, I'll try and see if I, <laughs> I can send her a message to you and if she can be convinced. But no, I think she has a lot of um, wisdom to share. I think she'd be very good to get on. Brilliant. I'm going to move on to sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. I just realized I didn't send you those seven questions. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Uh, it's okay. So- just bear with my very slow responses. Maybe you can edit it out. This will be, yeah, this will be part of the editing. Um, question one. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote. You didn't come this far. Wait, no, what is it? You didn't come this far to only come this far. Okay. I love who, that who one. Who said just- that? I've no idea. I saw probably on like Instagram or something, but it's just one. Like I have like a note section on my phone where like I write down a heap of notes that I find like inspiring or something. But that's like the one that I always go back to and I actually remember. So yeah, I think that's a good one. I actually do the exact same thing. I have a big thing in my notes on my phone. It's all just quotes. So don't worry. You're not the only one doing that. Um, Question two, probably I know the answer to this one, but what's been the best morning event you've been to? Yeah, the Olympics. I think it goes without saying, definitely. Uh, question three, what's been the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it? Um, yeah, so the uh, at World Relays, I wasn't chosen to run on the mixed 4 by 4 which I took very tough. Like I was obviously very disappointed, but also extremely happy for the team that qualified and everything. So that was tough because I'd never really experienced that before. But... I think I touched on it earlier, like it it pushed me on and I ran my PB a few weeks after that. So um, I just see it as something that was meant to happen. And this is the path that's followed afterwards. So, yeah. Very good. What's been your biggest achievement so far on or off the track? Um, Apart from the Olympics, um, I'm like I finished my degree there in May and I'm graduating, I think yeah next month so I'm really proud of that like it was definitely a tough five years the course was hard it was hard balancing everything but I'm really proud of myself for finishing it and having a degree now you were chosen to switch on the Christmas lights uh in in your town where does that rank where what sort of achievement is that number two (laughs) (laughs) Uh, looking back what advice would you give your 18 year old self uh stick with it like just stick with it and I suppose I did stick with it so I'm proud that I did do that but I know there's a lot of young people particularly young girls at the minute that are dropping out of, of like sport and everything um when they get to 18 because it is hard like to continue it with college and a lot of people have to make a decision but I think stick with it because you really don't know again like you didn't come this far to only come this far like if you keep pushing you don't know how far you're going to get how do you find being a role model now? Do, has anyone kind of, you know, when people come up to you and you're kind of like, is it a bit weird or how do you find it? That's so funny. I never would have thought of myself as a role model. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, I I suppose I am aware that um I would like, I have people following me and looking at me for tips and everything. And like, um I do enjoy on Instagram, like I get a lot of DMs. People are so nice, like just saying well done or like younger girls asking me questions. And like, I'd always say, fire away I'm terrible for getting back I do take a while to reply but please like send me a message or come up to me I'd be so happy to like help someone out or whatever no I I do like it who would be uh, your dream dinner guest and why and you can open up the table to a few people if you want I'm so bad at these sort of questions 
so bad. Um, I love Miley Cyrus. I think okay. I have her at a at a dinner dinner party. Um, who else? Yeah, Jessica Ennis. Like, I loved her fifteen years ago, and I still <laughs> sorry ten years ago, and I still do. So, uh, I'd love to have her as a guest. And um, one more person. Mm, I don't know. Should you want to come? You can come join me. Yeah, my- there we go. <laughs> sorted. Sorted. You have to cook though. I'm I'm an awful cook. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Final question before I let you go. If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? Oh, I remember listening to this. I think it was on Nadia's podcast and she gave yeah. me a good answer. Um, Pressure's on oh. now. Pressure's on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I think just like, just go with it. Like, yeah just okay. go with it. like um yeah a lot of my past experiences and stuff like I try not to dwell on them and just go with it and I think it's gotten me to a good place so yeah just just go with it I think brilliant Sophie thank you so much for coming on I'm looking forward to the dinner party whenever that that happens uh but very best of luck uh moving forward on and off the track and thanks again for your time no bother thanks Orla A massive thank you to Sophie for joining me on the podcast today. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I hope you got something from it. I'll be sure to leave all of her social media links in the description box below and I just want to wish her the very best of luck moving forward. If you are enjoying the podcast, I really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it really does help the show grow. Thanks as always for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.